0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You're listening to the Wild Seven Podcast Network. Listen different. The girl said she'd call me by 10. Never heard from her again. Uh Uh-oh. Looks like somebody could use a bowl of Flakebox. Flakebox. A new breakfast cereal for when you've been stood up by unreliable people who flake on an agreed-upon schedule. It's half past 8. No sign of my date. Flake box. Every box comes with only half the flakes it should contain, and each flake is stale. It's the perfect meal to match your misery. I've been waiting since four. So much for that whore. Flake box. Part of this incomplete breakfast. Nah. see, look, they even flaked on the design on the packaging. It just says Flake Bow. Where the hell's the X? In the words of Alex Rogers. Episode 21. The book was better. Come on in, get inside, move, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, hustle, 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 good, run. Hey, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good, good running, good running, good running, good hustle, good hustle, good hustle. Boy, you know, who wants to operate under that kind of drilling noise right there? It's just like, hey, bro, bro, calm down, you saying hustle and hustle over and over again doesn't make me hustle anymore. Well, Hello silly and serious folk and those who find themselves in between this is alex rogers recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which your listening is the now oh yeah baby the now is always happening it's so happening That by the time I say now, now is already in the past. Until now. Until now. Until now. But that's the fucking rub about it, is that every time I say now, it's gone. Well, good thing we don't always overthink time like that, or else we'd never get anything done. Or I should say we'd get less done than we already bare minimally accomplish. Well, welcome back to the show, my dear friends, and thank you so much. Uh, A lot of you were so sweet, Uh, gave me some real nice feedback about the Mother's Day episode we did last week. And I want to thank my mom for showing up and contributing her lovely voice to the program. You know, it's very funny. She was a little resistant at first. You know, I mean, I kind of sprung it on her. We hadn't seen each other in 17 months. Guys, that's nuts. I hadn't seen my own mother in 17 months. I mean, we already, due to various circumstances, couldn't see each other for quite a few months before COVID. And then it was of March in 2020. I was one week away from just driving up north to visit mom in the old hometown. And then a little something called Corona, Virus de Corona. That made its lovely, untimely entrance, and uh, we all had to put our lives on hold. And you know, it's very interesting. Here we are uh, still putting the pieces back together. A lot of people are acting like there was no virus to begin with and some of these people acted like that the whole way through and good for them nothing like denying reality and making that actually work out for you congratulations you learned nothing all over again <laughs> but yes before i really spin out of control here let me just uh continue my thanks i'm so glad that you guys enjoyed that you know i i'm i don't often consider the show to be interview based but um It was really, really good to have Mom on the show, and uh, I hope to have some more guests in the near future. Today we're back to uh, some good old rambles and the brambles with yours truly, and we'll see what uh, percolates off the top of my head. What's left of it? Well, we're here now in downtown LA, baby. Good old downtown, DTLA. I like to tease my mom about that, too. My mom, being a librarian and being a daughter of linguistically powerful people, as I am a son of linguistically powerful people, I tease my mom all the time when she says any kind of initials. She crisply pronounces each letter. And this goes back to when uh, DVDs were the newest uh, technology. And I remember asking... My mom for Christmas, if I could get some DVDs, and she said, Well, I'll see if I can get you some DVDs. (laughs) I hope to see you ASAP. We are 100% (laughs) SOL. Are you gonna be recording in D T L A? Y E S I A M Um No my, I love my mom and that and, and you know, we tease the people we love. Uh but yes, thank goodness I come from two crisply pronunciating people. Pronunciating? See, uh-oh, uh-oh. You fucked your own argument in the foot right there. You're trying to tell people what's happening, and then, uh, and you, you know, you mess up your language. Well, that's fine. We're in the words of Alex Rogers, and some of those words get a little, uh, but yes, we're in D-T-L-A, downtown Los Angeles. Los Angeles, Los Angeles. Make a right angle, you'll find yourself right there at the Lost Angeles. But it's good to be back in the thick of it here. Sometimes I record at the pad, and sometimes I like to come to the actual Wild Seven headquarters. And it's a little interesting too cuz I got a GoPro looking at me for this episode right here. So hopefully there's going to be a little bit of footage. But we don't say footage anymore, do we? What are you trying to do? Confuse the Z generation? Don't say these outdated terms. Let's not let's not ruin <laughs> A coworker the other day said something so funny that just said it all. He was like, "Come on, come on, come on people, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, none of this f- last season of Game of Thrones. No season 8 of Game of Thrones here. Come on, let's keep it moving." <laughs> like, I don't get it, but I get it. And for those of you out there, if you've seen it, you get what I'm talking about. And if you haven't done Game of Thrones, well, you're in for a treat. And then you're in for something that's the opposite of a treat, the treatier it gets. But that's another conversation for another time. But yes, the reason I wanted to even mention the first place that I'm here in downtown LA is that I drove myself down here today. And if anyone has been listening to my previous episodes, y'all know that I haven't driven in a minute to catch you up to speed. And catch you up to the speed limit <laughs> I have been uh wheelless for a while now, or I should say I've had the wheels I, I've even had the axle and and the frame and the chassis and the roof steering wheel and doors and everything else that comes with a car. But the one thing that wasn't working, of course, was the engine and a couple other little nuts and bolts and do hickeys and gizmos so that little sucker was resting in the uh, driveway for this whole time because uh covid hit car wasn't working we for a while couldn't really go anywhere we weren't supposed to be visiting anywhere or anyone i happened to be a mile away from the supermarket at which i work so i just figured all right i will now be a pedestrian and honestly, when you drive enough years in L.A., you get sick of it. Now, see, I'm originally from the Monterey Peninsula. It's lovely driving up there. And one forgets that outside of a city, traffic is not really an issue. Most kind of, you know, reasonably sized towns, it's, oh, no, traffic. We'll be here for 20 minutes. But L.A. will just Kill your love for driving If you started out like I did Driving these beautiful little coastal drives Right there On the one Near the Pacific Ocean You know, you have a real sense of perspective And a real sense of like Yeah, we're driving to absorb And enjoy the world in which we move But then you just You drive too much in LA I, Yeah, I was listening to Uh Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and he mentioned something. He said, you know, you live in L.A. or these big cities long enough, you start to you lose your appreciation. And, and, and Actually, the real phrasing of it was the, the value of other human beings goes way down. Because if you think about it, and anyone here who's been in some L.A. traffic in their time man, who do you care about at that point? Nobody! Fuck everyone! Fuck you for ever even getting in front of me for half a second, you motherfucker! We get so needlessly angry. Actually, our fearless leader and my good friend Nas Nas Red, he's the only guy I know who, when we're driving and I see people doing impossibly stupid maneuvers around him, he doesn't He doesn't get mad. On my way over here, I was getting, like, snarly at at just, you know, people. Even just the fact that I I had a bit of a late start today. So, you know, if you leave after 2 p.m. in L.A., good luck. And sure enough, getting here, there was just a lot of stop and go, stop and go. And you can just feel everyone on the road saying, if anyone gets in front of me for six seconds or less or more, I'll fucking murder them. And, dude, that's just not, that. it's like, oh, great, let's add another element to L.A. where you feel like you're the most important person who ever lived and everyone else is an annoying extra in your movie. Ugh. Well, you know, aggression on the road doesn't help anyone, not the least of whom people like me who have a little something that I've already, uh, I haven't been officially diagnosed, but I have self-diagnosed. Uh, I think I have responsibility OCD. Because another reason I wasn't driving during that time, and this is is sort of weird, but also a very honest thing to share with y'all. I started to develop this phobia and feeling that I was running over people on the road and leaving them for dead behind me. Now that sounds crazy as it comes out of my mouth. And I see some people with white coats coming and they're trying to take me away. You'll never get me away. You'll never take me alive. No, no, I'm doing a podcast. You can't take me. No, I have to tell the people about my crazy mind. I have to do it in a charming way too, in which they'll laugh. And maybe I can make you guys do it too. Just don't take me away. Look, I don't really kill people on the road. I just think I have because I'm not normal. I am not an animal. I am a Los Angeles driver! But yeah, it's a weird thing to admit when you actually feel like you're doing something potentially damaging out there. When you're not, you're just driving. And folks, I'm not on any substances. I'm not stupid. I'm not drinking or smoking weed before I get on the road. I'm good to go. And yet, I just, developed over time for some reason this over vigilance if I feel any kind of bump on the road even if it's like on the middle of a freeway where the likelihood of another human being without a vehicle is just randomly there is extremely minuscule I am convinced for a second that I've run over a dog a child an old person some some unimaginable horror And I'm doing a bit better on this. Even my dear mother reminded me when she was visiting, and I was kind of getting my confidence back, and I was driving us around a little bit too. She did bring up the helpful reminder, which is, well, you know, if you do hit somebody or something, you really will know. (laughs) It'll go beyond a suspicion in your mind. You'll feel a a definite um, forceful impact upon the vehicle if anything like that were to really happen. The problem with phobias and isms of the mind is that they are completely irrational and they jump out of the logic bin straight into chaos streams. It's kind of like how people with some anger issues overreact and explode. Now, Alex, are you going to really say some people, or are we going to maybe include you a little bit in that? Well, I don't want to scare you all and say that I have, like, rage problems, but, uh, you know, beyond my theatrical outbursts, like what you hear on this show, I do, you know, like many men, have a, uh, a personal tango to work out in my own heart and mind and soul in regards to my relationship with rage and anger. However, nobody was hurt, obviously, and uh, I'm getting better at this, and I don't really understand where it came from, nor am I really trying to get that deep about it. I'm just reminding myself that as I get back into driving, shit doesn't just happen, and don't mind that little stereo sound behind me. Remember, we are in D-T-L-A, where there is a lot of S-O-U-N-D. We're just getting back in that saddle, folks. Now, what's funny is, if I were actually in a saddle, and if I was actually riding a horse, which is something I have no idea, but you know what? Come to think of it, that's something to put on the list. I want to get good at riding horses. But the point is, I wouldn't be half as worried about running over people or things if I were on a horse. I think the reality is driving, don't mind Rick James, he's playing outside right now. Um, I think the thing is, in reality, when you're driving a vehicle, you're going ludicrously fast. I mean, if you really think about it, we're all just agreeing to not crash when every one of us is going 70 miles an hour, and if you're in L.A., that's about 95, not me, of course, but other assholes on the road, then we're all just trusting that we're all kind of cruising with the rules of physics at about the same rate, and we all are trusting that no one's going to just fly out into that lane, whichever lane they want, and cause a bunch of crashes, even though that happens. But it really is, if you think about it too much, the way I have, ludicrous. And not the rapper. So I'm, I'm just kind of going, all right, all right, all right. Don't overthink this. It's a feeling process. I mean, it got to this point where, like, you know, think about this, folks. Some of you right now just got home from having driven somewhere. Now, can you remember every red light and every stop sign and every pedestrian you let safely across before you accelerated again? Do you remember every single moment? Probably not. And probably, until I started talking about this and got your head all involved in it, you weren't thinking about it and you went about your day. My little condition is that I will then start to think way too much about what could have possibly happened And here's the most embarrassing part, even on my way to DTLA today, I nevertheless, on my way out, drove around my street a couple times just to make sure I hadn't accidentally hit this Amazon delivery package driver who was outside of his truck when I drove past him. You see what I'm talking about? And even as I passed by him, I looked in my rear view mirror. I was like, no, no, you, you can see him. You can see him. He's walking. He's walking. And I still had the compulsion to come around and make sure that there's no bloody body on the street. Ugh. if it sounds exhausting, you should try doing it. But don't actually try doing it, folks. Let me be the martyr on this one. And I'm doing what I can to uh, make this less and less of a big deal. So, My pledge to y'all is when I'm done recording today and I drive home, I will, of course, be careful, and I'm not going to overthink it. In fact, thinking isn't very helpful when you're doing a physical, zen-like activity such as driving. I'm going to do a bit more of the feeling than the thinking. As for keeping myself entertained and happy these days, you know, we all got thrown off During this last year You couldn't really go out to the movies You couldn't really go out to a concert And even stand-up comedy was put on hold Or you'd have to go to a parking lot If that was your thing But What I was already into And then what I just upped my game upon Is reading And it's the simplest dang thing you can do, folks It only involves you And a good bit of reading material that you genuinely like. And you can do it at home. You can be nice and cozy. You can do it with a glass of wine, a rolled up J, a loaded syringe. No, 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 no. Not that last one. And you can just get into it. And I have upped my reading incredibly. Already was. There's no there's no like big success story like I could barely read. And thanks to COVID, I'm now a genius. Um, but I I am loving books even more than I had, and I used to be just a straight reader, meaning I was just doing novel novels. No pictures, no graphic novel. I I even, and I hate to admit it, sort of poo-pooed the graphic novel for a time in my life, which is odd because I loved comic books as a kid. Where I grew up, there was this wonderful woman, Cynthia, who was basically another grandmother to me. And she had bins and bins of old comic books. Old comic books. We're talking like from the 50s through the 70s. Some of them were held up by duct tape because they had been open and closed and and crinkled and crumpled so many times. And it was everything from Casper the Friendly Ghost to uh, Wendy the Good Little Witch to um, X-Men. Batman, Superman. The only thing is, of course, with those old comics is that I always was finding random, like issue number 75, issue number 12, but you never really had a sense of the whole story. And then, of course, you have things like Batman and Superman that have multiple incarnations and resurrections and reincarnations and reboots and different formulas of mythology, spinoffs, and all of that. And, you know, I like all of it to a certain degree, but you know, this is something I have noticed. I, I'm a nerd, totally am, always will be, and I love it, and I, and I own my nerddom. Other nerds can really annoy the fuck out of me sometimes, though. Because <laughs> there's always a nerd who knows more than you. And you kind of think to yourself, I, I know enough. But then there's going to be someone who's like, well, actually, you know, somebody, 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 somebody. somebody, somebody. You're like, okay, I alright, all right. I was just trying to say sabada, 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 but you had to go subda, So but I I'm now owning my love for the graphic novel. And boy oh boy, folks, I don't look at the graphic novel anymore as like an alternative to reading. Or as an alternative to cinema. Because I notice some people kind of think of it as like, well, it's the next best thing if you don't have a cool movie or if your book isn't good enough by the words alone. Bullshit. Because what's a cave painting without a blurb, if not the first form of storytelling we understand? We are visual creatures. And, you know, that also, uh, one of the reasons I like to read, by the way, I don't read for descriptions of things per se. Uh, some people, and by the way, I'm just going to say this, folks. Look, we, we learned from my mother last time that she is a devotee to fiction. And I, as a result, growing up with someone who greatly respects fiction, I greatly respect it as well. Now, my dad, who who is no fool, definitely a, a smart man, but he, I remember him kind of dismissing the, the merits of fictional reading. And I've seen a lot of people of that mindset. Why would I invest so much time in a bunch of people who don't exist in a story that's just made up and ultimately doesn't matter? I just read books on how to fix engines and what kind of chemical bond goes with this b- chemical bond just simply information nothing more nothing less i'm just here to absorb information no well, there's no there's no mystery there's no fantasy there's no reason to imagine anything life is this one logical explanation all you need is 2 plus 2 and uh, a little room for uh, r r But don't get too involved in this reading. These people never existed. What's the point? Well, look, man. I don't know who said it, but I agree with them. A while ago, there was one of those, like, you know, reasons to be reading more. Your empathy is increased when you are reading about fictional people. Because just because they didn't exist... Who the fuck cares? They exist right now on the page. And some people who kind of, you know, I've, I've told people, like, man, I, and I hate to admit, I am that guy who says something that we all can't stand, that even I fucking can't stand. The books are better. The book was better. Nah, 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 the book was better. I'm, I'm so that guy. <laughs> but, like, for example, okay, I slowly... But, it, but I accomplished it. I finished it. But over the course of three years, I read the book It by Stephen King. Now, it's not that I wasn't enjoying it and that's why it took three years. It's just that, you know, it is ginormous. It makes The Stand look like a novella. It is about, at least my copy was just shy of 1,200 pages, I mean, guys, like Jesus Christ. And, and I loved the book. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I will be the first to suggest eh, it, could lo- it could lose about 300 pages and still be amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I loved it. And the book is so much more than just a creepy demonic clown killing people. And my big fucking issue about movie adaptations of complex issues is that they reduce it to the most bare minimum nonsense. So that, and I, I'm trying to be more loving and caring and, and, and uh, uh, sort of open-minded these days, but I'm just going to call it for what it is. I wasn't a fan of that two-parter recent It movie. And here's one big reason. You can tell they were only focusing on... Ah, Scary clown. Oh, no, scary clown. Oh, oh God, I hate... Oh, clowns are so creepy. I I hate clowns. All right, I'm going to be a little insensitive here, but find a better phobia. Clown... How many times do you see clowns in your life? Okay, people afraid of heights? I got your back. Afraid of dogs? Afraid of birds? Afraid of uh, spiders? Those are everyday things that you can actually encounter. Afraid of clowns? Oh, I'm sorry, do you keep going back to carnivals? Do you keep finding yourself in a funhouse? What's going on here? How many movies really are about clowns, especially scary clowns? And the thing about it, ladies and gentlemen, is that the clown persona of this killer demon creature is just one of its many faces. Yes it often shows up as a clown because that's an easy way for this demon to get close to children and kill them. But God, I hate these movie adaptations of like, scary clown time. Two hours of scary clown time. Scary clown, scary clown. Oh God, I hate clowns. They're so scary. Man, you'd, you wouldn't last one day in the French theater. But it's not about a scary clown. When I read it, That was a story about the... You know what it truly is about? Because the other thing, too, is I find when people who don't really read... And I know, I know, I know. I get a little judgy about that because it's something I do a lot and because it's kind of something I know how to do. And I see a lot of people copping out on it and not getting into it. I'm a little like, ah! It's kind of like when you take the time to run a marathon and then someone else says well, yeah, I, I did those 26 miles, but I was in a Jeep. Okay, good for you, but I fucking took the time to run that 26.2 miles just because you did the same trip, but you were in a Jeep, man. So the Jeep in this instance is just watching the movie adaptation or only reading Cliff Notes. But like, if you think It is only about fending off an evil clown, you're missing out. Because the story of It is about growing up. It's about how scary it is to be a child and how on top of an actual fucking killer clown from outer space, from the netherworld, from wherever, is trying to kill you that also takes the form of many different monsters, you have actual real-life horror, which all of us to some degree has experienced, and that is bullies. Scary kids. Remember when you were nine, but there was a 12-year-old? Okay, when you're like in your 30s, there's no difference. But when you're nine, and there's a 12-year-old, and they're that much bigger than you, and they even have that first little octave of puberty change where their voices are a little bit more like this, as opposed to your voice is still like this? It's scary, man. It's scary. So the point is, in an 11 to 1,200-page book, you can damn well bet there's more to it than just, scary clown. So I wish movies could be a little more nuanced as well. Um, Now, uh, this wasn't supposed to be a big thing about it. What this is also about is graphic novels and a few recommendations. And the thing that's amazing about the graphic novel that I'm now finding is that it really does feel like a film that you get to play out, and you can almost see it right there. And I no longer consider the graphic novel as like an advanced storyboard that otherwise could have been better if only it was made into a movie. Bullshit! Point in case, most movie adaptations of Alan Moore's work, that's Watchmen, From Hell, V for Vendetta... Most of those film adaptations, they ain't that hot. Because it's not the same thing. And just like a really well-written novel novel, a really well-written and well-illustrated graphic novel is its own beast. I think I lived my life for a long time thinking that the ultimate expression of anything would be a movie. Nah, the play ain't enough. Nah, eh, the novel ain't enough. Eh, the graphic novel ain't enough. It's all supposed to be the movie. I don't know so much nowadays. You know, one of my favorite graphic novel guys also happens to be one of my favorite film directors. And his name is Alejandro Jodorowsky. And he's done a lot of twisted cinema, but two that come to mind, and they happen to be two of my favorite movies ever made, El Topo and The Holy Mountain. These are incredible films. El Topo is basically what would happen if God, and I mean like desert God, like a Yahweh type, like bearded, punishing God, was a gunslinger. What if God had six shooters and told people, Soy Dios, I am God, and killed people with the same wrath and vengeance as that old world God would do. And also what happens when that God gunslinger then has to learn his own version of forgiveness and transmutation and transmigration of self and soul. And then his other movie, The Holy Mountain, is just a fucking kaleidoscope of madness. And I wouldn't even know how to describe that movie other than it's like a a safari, a tour, through the human condition. And it gets damn near outer spacey in terms of its explorations. Now... Fair warning, both movies are beyond X-rated and they will fuck with your comfort zone and there are scenes that you could never shoot today without a lot of protest and problems. Like everything else made in the past, you got to fucking relax and go, okay, this is a sign of the times. It's something we wouldn't do today. But don't let that ruin your enjoyment. The point is, here's a man who was making great movies... And I don't have enough time on this episode to get into the whole thing, but I recommend a documentary called Hodorowsky's Dune. This gentleman, Alejandro Hodorowsky, was originally going to do the first film adaptation of Dune, ever, much before David Lynch would ever do it. And it never came to pass, due to various unfair circumstances. But the point is, He formed a working collaboration with many amazing artists, and he kept those collaborations alive. So what happens when the big unfair gatekeepers of dreams, especially of the Hollywood cinema dreams, say, nah, you don't get to make your movie? Do you sulk and never make movies again or even any creativity? Well, while admittedly, Hodorowsky hasn't made too many films after that fact, he has made a cornucopia of beautiful graphic novels. And I'm going to recommend to y'all one to start. If, if you have been wanting to get into the graphic novel game and you don't know where to start, but you actually would like to, like, I'm going to give you one that's going to just, uh, two rather, I'm going to recommend two that would just hopefully blow your minds apart and give you something to just kind of go, wow. Look how far the imagination can go, and how much farther could it go if I get in there? <gasps> well, Hodorowsky, in collaboration with, I think they call him like the Pink Floyd of French sci-fi comic artists. He goes by the name of Mobius. Mobius and Hodorowsky collaborated on something called the Incal. And the Incal is a psychedelic romp through futurism, spirituality. It's sci-fi as fuck. And as utterly bizarre and at times incomprehensible as it gets, it's all truly about the human experience. Go for that one. And then if you want something that maybe is just a little more terrestrial, but no less mind-blowing... And also will change your mind about the superhero genre. You got to do Watchmen. The original 1985 Watchmen. And that's written by Alan Moore. Illustrated by Dave Gibbons. And that was really the one for me that broke my true graphic novel cherry. That was the one that made me go, "Oh, okay, for real. This shit is legit. And I'm going to get into these more and more. Because... Watchmen is about America. It ain't about just superheroes doing some kind of like nothing mission. Because, again, I've, I've made a joke to people who... Because, <laughs> again, as a nerd, I like to bombard other nerds sometimes. There were some co-workers who were going on and on and on about the Marvel Universe. And me, I'm getting a little tired of Thanos talk. I mean, I, it also... Even as I record this, I don't think people are talking that much about Thanos these days, but that culmination of just Infinity Wars and and Thanos and Thanos, I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 intergalactic bad guy. Where's the movie called Captain America versus the KKK? That's the shit I care about. I've reached an age where I'm no longer afraid of the big, bad, alien man who's going to enslave Earth. I am way more scared about Earthlings fucking up Earth before any alien man even has a chance to take us over. So, I like when we actually unearth real U.S. American red, white, and blue evil. And then we talk about heroes that need to make a stand. And that's what Watchmen, in great part, is about. The cost of America and all of its advancements, and all of its innovation, and even though it made us kind of the Roman Empire giant that we currently are, at what cost? And what do people with various aptitudes for being superhero-like do in the middle of America's unstoppable bullet train of advancement? Give them a whirl, people. Open your minds. Get into some stuff that isn't what you would necessarily think. It's not for kids all the time, comic books and graphic novels. There's some shit that is designed for all ages. And I'm just happy that there's always something out there to express an idea, whether it's a song, a graphic novel, a play, a novel novel, a film, a dance, Whatever you feel that you need to get into, get into it. And whatever you feel like you indeed have to contribute to each of those said genres, contribute, baby. Well, that's that for now. We'll check in again real soon. In the mean in between, thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme.